Good morning, everyone. It is snowy. It's blowy. There's no school today, but Laura Sievert cannot be deterred by that. She's just like your postal service. In the gloom of night, she is here to talk about uh, Arts Quincy on the Mary Griffith Show, brought to you by Refreshment Services Pepsi and Harvest Ridge Coffee. It's uh, cold out there, folks. Stop by your local convenience store and pick up Harvest Ridge Coffee to warm you. Welcome, Laura Sievert. Good morning. I did not bite it going out my driveway, but I tried real hard. <laughs> I, there was a, if there was a camera, they'd be like, it would be one of those bloopers where I almost... Funniest, you could have made $10,000 you know, yeah, on right. Funniest Home Videos. Well, let's talk about something that um, is in the news recently, and there's been it's been accredited to different groups, but it actually should be accredited to Arts Quincy. The Riverfront Development Corporation is a private group that uh, appointed by government officials, but... They're trying to redevelop Quincy's Riverfront, but it was actually you, as director of Arts Quincy, it was Arts Quincy that got the $50,000 grant for the Riverfront. Talk about that. Yeah. Because, I mean, I want to make so sure. This is, yeah, it's, it's partnership. I mean, again, it's just important yeah. that we understand where the money's coming from because how the money is used, I mean, Arts Quincy is the one that did this, and right. I want to make sure that you're a respected leader in our community that uh, people know that you're overseeing how this money is spent and how this is going to happen. Yeah, so um, it is a partnership between the city, uh, the Riverfront Development Corporation, and our organization, so it's easy to get a little mixed up. But um, here's the, the, the long and the short of it is uh, we, we about two years ago got a $1.5 million grant for the History Museum on the Square. And part of the reason that we got that grant is when the Capitol bill was passed, we had a shovel-ready project with all of the all of the details worked out and exactly what we wanted to do and all of that. So I was ready when they said, hey, we're going to do a Capitol, a Capitol bill. Um, I was ready to our legislators to show them what we wanted to do, and we ended up with $1.5 million for that project. Similarly, we've been looking for an opportunity to implement one of the most exciting parts of the uh, city of Quincy's uh, master riverfront plan, which is to add an amphitheater down on the riverfront. We're seeing communities all over um, Burlington, uh, Muscatine, Decatur, um, Fort Madison, all have these terrific riverfronts with lots to do. Hannibal. Hannibal has invested a ton in the riverfront. Um, and we always knew that was something we wanted to do here, too, and, and we see the need for it all the time, You know, whether it's arts events, uh, which certainly is my wheelhouse, um, but also things like the Tracy Lawrence concert that overflowed all over the square this year or our uh, Fishing for Freedom event that gets bigger all the time and the Fourth of July and the Bridge the Gap and all of those things that happen and could happen on a great facility on the riverfront. So the Illinois Arts Council put out a call for capital planning, and capital planning grants are sort of a, a weird niche type of grant, um, and uh, they're, they're to do the engineering studies to understand the best spot for this, how many people it could seat, where the parking will be. you got to pay surveyors and, and engineers to make those plans. So um, the maximum amount you could apply for for this was $50,000. And uh, I said, you guys, I'm a, I'm a grant writer, uh, not to toot my own horn, but a pretty, pretty solid grant writer. And uh, I think I can write this grant. So I, I wrote the grant. We got letters of support from the Riverfront Commission and from the city and from the mayor's office. Um, and the mayor's in, uh, you know, good support of this project, too. So that's really uh, encouraging to me because um, I think when the city's all on the same page wanting to do something great, that's, that's awesome. Um, the Bicentennial Commission also involved. So anyway, I wrote this grant. We got $50,000. There were $4.5 million worth of applications, um, over 100 applicants. 
and only 10% of them were funded, and mine was funded. Um, really, really proud of that because I think it was the supporting letters uh, and then the hard work on making a, making the case that this could be an economic driver right here in Quincy. So, um, Okay, but no good deed ever goes unpunished. And so uh, <clears throat> let's talk about this. Quincy Park Board, I think, meets tonight. I'm planning on going to the meeting. I hope it's tonight. I'll oh. call and verify. <laughs> um, but it's so interesting. Our riverfront development, and this is a dichotomy, the Adams County Board's all in. We're going to talk with Kent Snyder here in just a moment. Yeah. Uh, the city of Quincy's all in. They've put money towards it. The Park District, and I understand why, I'm not talking out of turn, they're not all in. And part of their not all in this is you can build this stuff, but then who's going to maintain it? It's going to get stuck on the Park District maintaining it. Uh, and so, you know, great, we'll get an amphitheater down there, but, um, you know, then who's going to maintain it? Well, you have actually, I mean, how is this? I did the legwork on this. How dare yeah. you? How <laughs> dare you apply for something uh, that maybe not everybody's in favor of? Can you respond to that aspect of it? Absolutely. You know, we've, we've done a lot of legwork on this. We actually pulled a lot of data from similar-sized cities. And let me give you a good example of this. Decatur, Illinois, put in a terrific amphitheater. Um, and theirs was a, a gift from a from a big donor, and they and they put up this great facility. And I think their park district was actually kind of uh, wary of it as well because it's a it's a it's a big facility, it's a new facility, and every time we add something new to our footprint, that that can be intimidating. Um, but I talked to the director there, um, and he let us know that not only did it surpass all of their expectations for community engagement, but it's making money more than all their golf facilities combined, actually. Um, so they are, they've employed six new people, which is a big deal. Anytime you can add jobs to the area, good paying, paying jobs. Um, and it is a constant source of year-round entertainment for the city. He said it, it changes the entire dynamic. People come in, Hotel Motel gets involved because you're bringing, you know, if you bring in, say, a national touring act like a Tracy Lawrence concert like we had here, um, you're going to get people from out of town coming over to see him. And we're all in that same byway where we're between Chicago and St. Louis or Chicago and Kansas City or wherever these acts are going, and we have such an opportunity to grab that money. Um, and when we think when we think positive, and I think the Park District will come. I, I, I don't want to uh, characterize them as negative about it. Oh, they're, they're just, not anti-riverfront <laughs> yeah. development. I don't want to characterize them that at all. They're they'd not love, anti, yeah, they'd empathy. love to see the riverfront develop. Yeah. Their problem is... They know they have to pay for it. Well, sure. And, and you know, that's, you know, every time I'm approached with a new project or a new, um, a new program, I have to think the same thing. Have I got the capacity to deal with this at Arts Quincy? And there are times I have to say, no, I don't have the capacity to deal with this. Um, however, this has got a long enough lead time. I mean, shovels aren't in the ground yet. We're just doing step one here. Um, but if we don't, I'll tell you what will happen is we'll get left behind. And we see it with, with uh, competing communities all along the river. I mean, Burlington got that Tiger Grant, this huge riverfront development opportunity. Um, and they're doing great things and they're drawing great people. Hannibal, investing, investing, investing. So we don't really have the choice. And in my, in my estimation, we don't really have the choice to, um, to stand still. We have to do the things that are going to make our community grow and develop and be a great place to live, work, and play. So um, I think uh, I think there's support on the park board. Actually, uh, Jared um, Jones, the president of the of the board, was at our meeting where we decided to apply for this. He said this project had a lot of sizzle. That was his word, sizzle. <laughs> and I have to agree. Um, you know, we we do have a lot of sizzle with this because we know we see other communities and we can pull their financials and we can find out it's adding jobs, it's adding entertainment, it's adding money. Um, to park districts and, and, and everything, every, 
all over the place. So Okay. You mentioned Tracy Lawrence several times, and I do just want to add one caveat. That mm. was privately put brought in right. by somebody who may not want it down there. They may want it next to their bar, but that's okay. Right. People <laughs> like that. People like that. People like that kind of thing, and maybe we can get more of it. Well, I just want to make sure folks know that this isn't just, I'm not just putting the park band on there. For sure, I'm getting the park band down there. But uh, <laughs> um, I can't wait to play on a brand new amphitheater stage to a great, uh, you know, my part of this, I'll tell you what my biggest contribution is going to be, is making sure that all the arts organizations have what they need to stage a good piece there, you know. Um, I am the biggest advocate in the world for adding shade to this thing, so like shade in the audience, because I don't know if you guys have been here in July. (laughs) Get a little bit hot. Get a little bit hot. I'm going to make this facility, I'm going to fight to make this facility what we want it to be. And And it'll be years before it happens, so don't get freak out. The park Not band years. will still be the park band will still be performing at 24th and Main in the shaded park there for a while. For a little while. God let you go. Ken Snyder standing by. We're going to get him on the line. We're going to talk about what happened at the Adams County Board meeting last night. We'll follow up if the park board meets tonight, which I believe they do. We'll follow up with this tonight. Laura, you are a great advocate for our community, not just in the arts, but for economic development because economic development is art. Yes. And if you don't believe it, ask Laura Siebert. Thank you so very much. We'll be right back with Kent Snyder, the chairman of the Adams County Board. We are back and we are joined by the phone lines by Kent Snyder, the chairman of the Adams County Board. Good morning, Mr. Chairman. Good morning, Mary. How are you? I'm wonderful. Thank you for your time today. We've we've tried to do this sporadically, and of course, one of the problems you actually have a real job. Uh, so I, I do. It's not always easy to get you uh, because being the chairman of the Adams County Board is not something you do as a full time occupation. But let's talk. You know, you did something this morning. I have to share with my audience. He sends me goes. I'm looking forward to talking to you today. There's only one question. Don't ask me. And then he told me the question. And of course, I wasn't planning on even talking about that. But now, of course. <laughs> I'm obsessed with it, but I will keep your confidence. We'll save that for another day. I want to know what yep. happened last night at the Adams County Board meeting. Well, we uh, we did some uh, rearranging of funds, uh, leftover funds we have for the ARPA money, uh, which was a big hit. We're going to finish the drive it on the building, so the whole building will be done uh, by the end of next year. Uh, and I think we we still have about a quarter of a million dollars that's unspent that uh, we're going to probably ask the uh, outlying communities if they have any little projects they would like to have done. So this COVID money has really gone a long way, and of course we call it COVID money because it came out of the economic recession caused by COVID. Uh, here we are now, you know, four years from uh, yesterday was the actual day that they said, we have something, we don't know what it is. It is a coronavirus. I think that's when they called it COVID-19 because it had been first identified in 2019, December. So I think yesterday was the day that they actually (laughs) named it COVID-19. Here we are in 2024 and we're still spending money uh, from that. But in general, uh, it does not assuage the pain and agony that people went through when they lost their jobs, and some of them had some really serious problems, but it has meant long-lasting impact on our community for the good of taxpayers. It has. Uh, you know, a lot of the projects we did with that $13 million, uh, just unbelievable. You know, the new heat and air at uh, Health Department, uh, the new air circulation system and heat and air out at the, out at the Juvenile Detention Agency. Brand new, all brand new elevators in the courthouse building, all 
every all the elevators, all five of them are all brand new. Uh, and that was all paid for in cash. The drive it around the building was paid for out of this. Uh, and the outlying communities got some benefit. The Adams County Fair, uh, we we spent uh, three or four hundred thousand out there. They're doing uh, new restroom facilities at the fairgrounds. And I think we uh, also gave them about two hundred thousand for uh, shortfall in in revenue because they couldn't have the fair for one year. So this money has so we, gone to a purpose that will continue to reverberate throughout our community for years to come. What uh, One of the things is this housing money that we talked about here on the Mary Griffith Show a couple of days ago. You were a guest uh, with the veterans. Is the housing money that we talked about then, is this part of ARPA too? It is. Yeah, there's a million uh, dollars of the ARPA money set aside for a housing program. Uh, we got a, just a... a Sneak peek last night at the rough draft, uh, but we're we're still tweaking it. And and by our February meeting, we're hoping to have that through the county board and approved, so we can start uh, uh, soliciting people to see uh, what what we can do to help them. And so, what does that mean? Does that mean that private people can apply, or do you have to be a landowner, a la- a landlord? I mean, who's going to be eligible to get this money? Is it going to come to, like, if I decide, wow, I've always wanted to own my own home, I've never had a chance, I'm a little bit on the lower income scale, I can apply for this directly, like almost like a mortgage, or is it going to have to be a rental assistance program? Um, Honestly, it's going to be rental rehab or new construction. And uh, we're talking about and we don't have all the – all the fine-tuning done yet, but possibly you're going to build a new house and you, you qualify and you need some help. Uh, we give you $20,000 toward your your construction. And then there, there are certain criteria that you have to meet and guidelines that you have to follow, you know, through the construction. Or we may even do, we're talking about possibly a, a low-interest forgivable loan for part of your down payment. So we and then of course then we have the rental rehab stuff so much so much per unit if you rehab a rental unit so we we've got lots of options that we're putting in this program. When we talk about the health, last night uh, Governor Reynolds gave the state of the state of Iowa address and she talked about how Iowa is relatively healthy. They have a surplus in their budget. They're talking about lowering their income tax rate, et cetera. What is the financial state right now of the Adams County finances? We we are in pretty good shape. You know, the uh, EAV, assessed value of homes in, in Adams County, went up uh, 7.98%, I believe. And I think our tax rate only went up 4.9. We didn't even use all the EAV because uh, we didn't need it. Um, you know, we had, we had uh, a little hiccup. You know, we raised... Uh, you know, wages had to go up in the last year because wages have just gone crazy and we need to maintain help. So, uh, you know, with the uh, ambulance department and a couple other departments where we had to make a significant increase in wages, uh, we that all went into the budget. And then, of course, we had the, the .025 <laughs> levy for the VAX program was went into the budget. So that was that was about half of our 4.9 right there. So you actually started a new program and yet didn't raise taxes. So that's pretty, pretty good. Um, so yes. in the future, you know, because the Quincy Public Schools, 
they have said everything's fine now, but we could fall off a cliff in two years. Uh, is there a falling off the cliff? Because let's face it, this this ARPA money, this COVID money is gone now or will be after this fiscal year. Uh, you know, is there a falling off the cliff? And I know you're retiring from uh, leadership and membership of the Adams County Board, but I know you still care. You're not <laughs> as long as you don't fall off the cliff during your term, I guess. But are you, is there a, is there a moment where you see down the road where your actuarials are saying things are great now, but uh oh, we could fall off a cliff here in two or three years? No, I don't really see that happening. We've got some things going on that that will generate income. Uh, uh, for example bringing federal inmates to Quincy and housing them in our jail. We can house 192 inmates in our jail. Our average jail population right now is about 100. So if we can bring in 24 inmates, it's $100, 75 to $100 per day per inmate. So we can easily generate $2 million a year just housing inmates. That's something that we've never had. And I talked to Tony yesterday, and he thinks we'll have inmates, if not in February, for sure by March 1. It's already been with, they've already signed off on it. Okay. Are these people that so, have been convicted, or are these people awaiting trial? I think, they, I think they would be people awaiting trial. Okay. And that brings the next question. Because of the way we've changed our bonds here, where you can't hold people you know, on bond like you used to be able to, you still can, but it's much more difficult. Yeah. Is our yeah. jail now underutilized? Yes. Yes. Uh, our average jail population, and this is why we built the new jail, we were running anywhere from 140 to 160 daily population. Now we have 192 beds and we're only using, I think, 95 of them. <laughs> so so we need to rent rooms and, and that's an income stream that we've never had before of $2 million a year. Okay. Well, you know, that just goes to show all your great planning. We waited and waited and waited to build a jail. We finally build a jail, and then they change the rules on us. So I guess yes. that's the truth of being elected in politics, isn't it, Ken Snyder? <laughs> no matter what you do, there's always somebody out to get you. <laughs> yeah, there's always somebody there's out always there that's going to second-guess you and make you look bad. <laughs> but, make you look bad, but yeah. If you, you know, if you put the positive spin on it, we rent out the rooms, and we make – because our expense is the same. We have to staff that because uh, – for 192 beds – so if we fill the beds, the, our expense doesn't go up except for maybe feeding them, uh, and we're going to generate all this income. Okay. So it's a win for us. It's a win for everybody. Kent Snyder, yes. back to work with you. Uh, we have to let you continue your job. We do want to say you're not running for re-election. Uh, so uh, I hope we'll have you on very regularly this year. You told me earlier the filter's coming off, so... Uh, make up a list of questions and things you want to rant about, and we'll talk to you soon, okay? Oh, I can I can rant anytime. <laughs> okay. Thank you very much. The chairman of the Adams County Board, Kent Snyder. 938, we're going to head up to the Ursa Farmers Cooperative, and then we're going to talk about Native American customs and Bald Eagle Day. We are back. Talk Radio 930 WTAD. I've got a full house today uh, starting off, and we'll introduce her first. And get that so your microphone, look through the gunner's side at me. No, turn your, yeah. Turn your microphone so you're looking at me. Leslie Haslam is a regular guest. 
on the Mary Griffith Show this time of year. <laughs> Leslie, tell us a little bit about yourself and your connection to Great River Eagle Days. Well, I'm Leslie Haslam. I live here in Quincy, and I am involved with the uh, Standing Bear Council. We are out of the tri-state area, up in um, Keokuk, Iowa is our main home. Uh, we have the Great River Eagle Days, and it's our intertribal uh, powwow. It's our 11th annual, well, in Quincy, <laughs> our 11th <laughs> annual year. Uh, we've been doing this for about so oh, close to 30 years now, and we have a huge event coming uh, January 27th and 28th from 10 to 5:30 p.m. both days. Uh, we've got native dancing. We have two world champion hoop dancers, father and son, and their family. Flute player Michael Frerichs is coming. Uh, we've got the Great Cloud Singers and their drums, so there'll be lots of dancing going on. We have a huge teepee with a display of how you would live in a teepee back in the day, and two tons of crafters and vendors, uh, fry bread, Indian tacos, uh, children's crafts, Indian, uh, candy dance for the kids. That'll be running uh, twice both days. Um, we're going to have an eagle blessing on Sunday, and we've got some artifacts. Um, the raptors from the Tree House Wildlife Center are coming, so we'll have a few big birds there, too. Well, we know that the um, American bald eagle is very important uh, as a symbol of nature and as a symbol of Native American culture. I want to ask you about that because... This uh, tribal powwow that you call it, you have the last weekend in, in January in conjunction with Eagle Watching Days on the Mississippi River. You mentioned a teepee, for example. Mm -hmm. And people in this area may or may not have lived in teepees. You know, right. some people lived literally in permanent homes that were made of logs. Mm -hmm. Some people lived in mud dwellings because of environmental yep. coolness. Mm -hmm. Some people lived in teepees. Those people were more uh, rambling about and maybe subject right, to they, changing. Right, they traveled. So, but it's good to see. And one thing that you'll have there, and please explain this to those who are not, um, it's not that we're stupid, we're not educated. Leslie, <laughs> I love that about you. You never look at somebody like you, ignorant fool. You just help them understand. Right. A teepee is just one way of life that Indians live. So talk right. a little bit about, you'll educate them about the teepee, but you'll also talk about maybe people that didn't live in teepees and why they didn't live in teepees. Right. We, we talk about the, there's the wigwams or the ones that are made out of sticks um, and they're big, long lodges. Uh, you find a lot of those on the East Coast um, and a little bit towards our direction. And then a lot of the Plains Indians lived in teepees because they did travel and follow the buffalo and other animals. Uh, and as you went further south, uh, um, southwest, southwest, you would get... Um, the Pueblo-type Indians, where they uh, built in the rocks, and then they also built out of adobe the homes in the mountains. And you also have the Navajo that had hogans, which are round dome mud building. Uh, they're kind of adobe also, but they're round buildings. Um, and then you go on off into the farther ends, and you have a lot of the, the stick-type homes well, also. Well, and Alaska has the big cedar lodges, you know, right. where, where everybody had... It was like a, a condominium, apartment dwelling. You yes, know? So, exactly. I mean, huge. The, the Native American home mm -hmm. is as different as there are Native American tribes. The right. same way when you have people dancing, drumming, they will be representing their particular Native culture. Right. And, you know, we get a 
wonderful melting pot here because yeah. we're not just having Apache people come or we're not just pa- mm-hmm. having Sioux people come or we're not having Mohawk Indians, just them come. Right. We are having people that may or may not have tribes that lived here long ago. Exactly. The mounds-dwelling people mm-hmm. of the Central Plains and Mississippi right. River. But we're going to learn something about culture, and that's what you want yeah. to do. You want to educate people. Yeah, we're, we're out there to educate, and our event is for people to get together and have a good time, uh, visit with people we haven't seen in a year, things of that sort. Um, it's just a good overall gathering is what it, it becomes. Okay. Well, it's going to be Great River Eagle Days 2024 and the 11th annual winter gathering here in Quincy of the Intertribal Powwow. It is going to be on Saturday, January 27th, and on Sunday, January 28th. Bruce is also here. Bruce, I'm going to let you introduce yourself and tell us, why is a why is a beekeeper here? What what are you doing, Bruce? I don't I don't understand why you're here. And I'm the host of the show. I'm supposed to know everything. Tell us about yourself. Okay, my name is Bruce Magnig. I've been in Quincy now for 30 years. Um, I have a number of interests. Uh, as Mary mentioned, I'm I'm a beekeeper, um, but I'm also interested in the Native American culture and and have gotten involved in the. Um, Standing Bear Council, and, and this year I'm in, in charge of, of running the event here. So, wow! Uh, looking forward to having a lot of a uh, lot of interesting uh, displays and and uh, events going on, and and hoping to to get a lot of people here to to uh, to learn more about uh, Native culture. There's so much to learn. There's so many different ways of uh, that that natives uh, lived, and and so on. Um, part of Part of Are my, you native? No, I'm not. Okay. No, I'm not. The uh, Standing Bear Council is an intertribal group, which means that anybody can join. Anybody's welcome to join as long as they have an interest in, in native uh, cultures and native ways. Um, so part of what I do with beekeeping is that I, I look at how natives interacted with their environment, and, and I try to, to do my beekeeping in that manner so the great conservation so. practices of the native americans you yes. try to yeah yes. that's you know what it's funny when you get one interest it leads to others and others yep. and others doesn't it bruce and and it's a matter of living in harmony with with nature and with with the other uh um beings in the world and 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 so I, I approach my beekeeping that way as well. Okay. Well, we're glad that you uh, are the chairman here. So that is exciting. Holly Kane is here. Uh, she just wants to fill hotel rooms. I can tell you that right now. <laughs> oh, um, Mary. Come on. Now, Holly Kane is here. Great River Days, Great River Eagle Days. Uh, you can watch eagles in Keokuk, in Burlington, in Alton. I mean, heck, you can watch eagles down in Saberton and Hannibal. But Great River Eagle Days is a chance for Quincy to really shine. Let's talk about the economic impact of this event because it does draw people from not only our area, but you fill some hotel rooms with this. We do. I know we've got vendors coming in from multi-states. Yep. There are visitors that are calling us, getting travel information about coming to see the event. And, you know, we're partnering with the Corps of Engineers, and it's great to have them here, you know, down at Lock and Dam 21, both days with their rangers and scopes to educate all ages of the eagles that are here. So there's a it's it's a great combination and powwow, you know, intertribal, as you mm-hmm. mentioned. Um, it's it's just a great event for all ages, and, and we see multi 
generations coming, and we love winter events, right? So yeah. it's a slower time, a great hotel spaces, you know, rates $70 a night at our host hotel, so mm-hmm. you can't beat it. And, um, yeah, we've seen people come down early on the train and just stay and help set up. And yeah. uh, so, really, and who can't beat the fry bread and the tacos, right? Oh, That's why I go. <laughs> it's, it's a convention for a certain group of people. It's a spectator event for some people. Mm-hmm. It's a chance, like you said, for people to come up and spend the weekend and uh, spend two great days, not only eagle watching, but with experts at the riverfront down by Lock and Dam. Mm-hmm. They'll have the telescopes. They'll have things down there or binoculars, I guess. I don't know. Do they call them telescopes? That's where we look at the stars. Whatever they have for bird watching, they'll have it down there. And they can explain some of the behavior mm-hmm. of this American eagle. I always tell this story. Whenever we go mm-hmm. to Alaska, I've been three times now. They're always mm-hmm. so... Look at our birds. Look at our birds. I'm like, move on. We've yeah, we've seen this. Done yeah, they're, just on vac- they're just vacationing like we are. Okay, yeah, yeah. could you move on? Show me the puffin. We don't have a puffin. Okay, yeah, yeah. we don't have puffin days in Quincy. I'm, I don't want to see an eagle. I see enough of them. But how, what kind of big economic impact does this have? Have you been able to gauge this? Because I know you want to keep it. We do want to keep it. And you know, as it just each year it grows more and more. We think mm-hmm. uh, you know this is our 11th annual year. I remember starting out at the Eagle's Nest Hotel and we filled up the space. Oh, you couldn't we were- even walk in the room. No, but then we were half the hall at the Civic Center, and now yep. we've got full both halls at the Civic Center. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, we we do know, it, you know, we are filling we are filling some rooms. We've got a block of rooms, and so that's mm-hmm. easy to see. I know there are 50 rooms or 20, 25 rooms or so for vendors, and then usually around yeah. 50 yeah. or 60 yeah. hotel. Yeah. We blocked out rooms. Yeah, and it's the, so. and Mike Rattel's lovely to host, but it will also spill over to other yes. hotels as yeah. well. Mm-hmm. Yes, and so right we there. do need to fill our hotels, we and do. we need more hotel rooms. But the only way to get more hotel rooms is to have that need continue. Yeah, Holly, no. from a economic standpoint, and I'm putting you on the spot because you're not a hotel owner, but <laughs> what is like what is the capacity? that we need to be at where somebody would say, because I know the atrium's undergoing a major redo. Yes. They're going to be branded as what, Double Tree by Hilton? Yes. So they've yes. obviously said, we've got capacity here that we're not using that we could use, but we also have enough strength that we're filling enough rooms that we know we have a, a minimum level. What is minimum level or what's optimum level, minimum and optimum for for staying, we'd love to see about a thousand rooms. At one time, we had a thousand rooms, but when we lost the, you know, the Welcome Inn and the Eagles Nest Hotel, mm-hmm. both of those two large property, with losing them, you know, we're down to 750 rooms. And mm-hmm. then when you get a lower room count, you're going to get higher rates because supply demand. Yeah. So we are seeing an increase in Airbnbs, and that has helped us keep some of the overflow in Quincy and not spilling over, uh, mm-hmm. you know, to out of state and things. But um, we, we do need additional hotel rooms to help keep their rates down as well. So. And so something like this, it says we have events all year round, mm-hmm. even in uh, even in January. Yes. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, you don't have to rely on a summer tourist trade. We've got we've got folks all year round. The juggling convention, which is now in South Bend, Indiana, try to capture that. Okay. okay? I don't we know. want it. I don't know who to call. That's not my job. All I right, it's my you, job. I <laughs> want the juggling convention, and your job is to make sure that happens. Okay. okay? I'll get to work the on that. The last place it was was South Bend, Indiana. Okay. Okay. So I saw it. this, I saw this, <laughs> and I thought, this is great. Everybody would love to come and see these people juggle. You yeah, know, it's one of those fun. things where they have their convention, but we also get to watch them and observe. Right, right. Just kind of like you're having your powwow, yeah. and we can come, 
and be respectful observers, and we can also get into the dance oh, you if can, we want you to. Can participate you can participate up to the okay. max over this one. There is an admission fee. Yeah. Uh, let's talk about that. It's free, of course, to watch the Eagles down at the riverfront, and the Corps of Engineers will give you all that free advice. But if you want to come inside the Oakley Lindsay Civic Center, and it certainly is worth seeing, oh, yeah. there is an admission fee. Talk about that, Leslie. Uh, our admission fee is $7 for 11 years of age and up. Uh, it's $5 for people over 60. Uh, children under 10 or 10 and under are free. And that is always wonderful. Yeah, we, we try to keep, we want those kids to come in because it's important for them to really experience a lot of new things and to learn a lot of new things. And we have, like I said, the kids' crafts and that. And the kids are able to come in and dance too as long as their parents go with them and that. I mean, it's a great event for all of them to get out there. And they also get to see, like you said, the teepee up close. And they'll get to see captive raptor birds yes. that, you know, I mean, they're in a safe environment. Mm-hmm. And they'll get to see these beautiful birds very, very closely. It oh, may yeah. lead to their... They may want to become a forest agent or a conservationist. Oh, yeah, or, it gets you know. into so many different aspects of life yeah. that are out there. And um, the the membership of uh, of your group, of the Standard Bear Standing Bear Council, is it stagnant? Is it growing? Is it declining? Is there more interest or less interest in Native American stuff lately? There's been a, a lot more interest. I mean, it goes slowly, but we do get a lot of new members that come in, and they're from all over. You know, so not all of them are always here, but they are members right. and, you know, want to keep tabs on when we're doing things. Because they can come two or three times a year and still be part of your council. I mean, right, 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 exactly. And you don't have to be a Native American. That's right. We have several members who are non-Native. Let me ask you this. The 23andMe and DNA and Ancestry and all that, mm-hmm. um, again, to me, it's just are you interested in it rather than do you actually have a drop of blood in you that proves whatever. But are you yeah. finding that people who didn't think they had any Native blood in them are coming and saying, hey, I found out and I don't know anything and I want to learn. And then some people who thought they were, oh, I'm full-blooded Cherokee are like, no, they're from Italy. Uh, yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, are you, are, I guess it's a double-edged sword, isn't it? Yeah, and, and getting DNA correctly is really difficult these days too because not all of them really have the capacity to hit exactly where you're at because there's such a mix that can come through and other parts of our DNA will mess up other parts of DNA. Right. It's you know trying to follow that lineage that really helps and uh, that's what I've had to go off of and because of the native schools and uh, the stuff yeah. that had happened a lot of my family lot of history just disappeared. And, you know, my family hid as white people. So you'll see a lot of the documentations as white. But then I was always told, you're half Cherokee. Yeah. You know, but it's been found on part Blackfoot, too. So I'm like, okay, whatever, because <laughs> I have a friend who's checking my well, lineage. Well, and I tell this story, and I'm going back to Albuquerque in Santa Fe uh, this summer. Mm-hmm. And uh, I tell this story about I was at Taos Pueblo, and I asked a woman, I said, um, would you frown upon your daughter marrying a white man? She goes, oh, no, I'd love that. I go, what? She goes, oh, that would be fine with me. She goes, there's only two things my daughter can marry. She can, can she marry a white man or she can marry a member of our tribe. Because if she marries a member of another tribe, my grandchildren become part of that tribe. Right. Yeah. She says, ironically, she said, if my daughter brings home 
another Indian guy who's not of our tribe, I'd rather him marry a white guy who didn't care. Then I'd get to keep my grandkids, you know, yeah. in our fold. So, I mean, she's being somewhat facetious, but it was yeah. true. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. it's like, well, uh, I don't care. You know, we're not prejudiced. She was saying, I don't, I'm not prejudiced against who my daughter marries, but all things being equal, of course, first, our tribe. But second, not just any old native guy. Like, I'd rather marry a white guy second <laughs> because I want to keep my kids in my tradition. Right. So it's just like, you know, it's just like anybody who's marrying out of their religious group or out of their ethnic yeah, exactly. group. You know, like, as long as she knows how to make lasagna, we'll accept her. But other than that, <laughs> you know, like, you've got to learn, you gotta learn both, the both sides of the table here. Yeah, learn the traditions of both sides. Yeah. Uh, we want to we wanna thank Bruce for coming. We don't want to leave him out since he's the chairman of this whole event. What's the most important thing you think people will take away from going to something like this? Oh, boy, everybody takes away something a little different. Um, I think one thing I've noticed since we've gotten the teepee is that is that people go away from our events having a much better understanding of the uh, of the design, the intricacy of the teepee, and, and what a wonderful structure it was for the Native uh, Plains Indians to be able to move around and still live in in all seasons. It was a, a fascinating uh, piece of engineering. Their home and their moving truck. Yep. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. And the women were the ones that had to yeah. take it well, down and put it up. Yeah, we all know that. Drag it around. That's the way it always is. And ours is a 28 foot tall. Wow. Pole. Okay. It's so, folks, you can see a 28 foot tall teepee, and all you have to do is spend January 27th and 28th right here in Quincy at the Civic Center from 10 to 5:30 Saturday. From 10 to 5:30, there will be ceremonial uh, dances, there will be hoop dancers, there will be drummers, there will be singers, there will be blessing of the eagles, there will be parades honoring veterans. Uh, there will be everything you can possibly uh, denote if you're listening from out of town and you want to book at the Microtel. They have a special, special rate. And of course, you can always go to the C. Quincy website for, uh, to know more about that. Holly Kane, thank you very much. Thank you for having me. Uh, Bruce, thank you very much for coming down. We'll thank talk you. about bees at some future date. And <laughs> Leslie, thank you for my gift. I didn't open it yet. But I can't wait to see what wonderful thing you've brought me, as you always do every time. All right. Mary Griffith Show signing off for this, which is a Wednesday. It's hard for me to keep track of the days because when my husband doesn't have to work, I have to work twice as hard. So it feels to me like it's a Monday because I feel like I worked all day yesterday. And now today I've got more household projects to do. Oh, my goodness gracious. It never ends. But we're.